Hello, I'm Jerome Whittingham, and you're listening to another Hull Is This podcast. Now then, imagine um, you're busy writing all day long. That's your profession, is to write. What do you think you'd do in the evening for a bit of relaxation? Well, this guy that we're going to be talking to in this podcast episode, he writes all day, and now he puts his feet up at night, gets his laptop out, and does a little bit more writing. Chap is Rich Sutherland. Hi, Rich. Great to have you on the podcast. Hi, Jerome. Good to be here. Tell me then, um, how how is the, the the world of words more generally at the moment? Oh, it's been tricky as with anything uh, during the lockdown and so on, but um, it's not been too bad. And I mean, I've been a copywriter for probably about 10 years now. Um, so yeah, I've done a lot of writing over the years. I think we, but, first, uh, yeah. we first met when you were doing some uh, copywriting and social media management for the Comedy Festival, is it? That was yeah, good. That, yeah, it was whole comedy festival. God, back in the day, that wasn't it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was, I think it was, it was a, over ten years ago. Thing. I think over ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. Now you I'm like glad. you like these writing projects, don't you? You've always given yourself writing projects to do because a number of years ago you were doing tiny wee fiction, weren't you, on Twitter? That's right. How did yeah, that go? Memory. Tell us about that. Yeah, so Tiny Wee Fiction um, is still there on Twitter called Tiny Wee Fiction, easy to find. But back when Twitter had a limit, a character limit of 140, uh, I loved the idea of writing stories that had to fit within that limit. So that was including um, all of the proper grammar, the punctuation. I couldn't use any abbreviations or any text speak because I had so many people saying, oh, instead of writing the word two, just put the number two and you're saving a character. And I was like, no, no, it needs to be a proper story as if it was published in a book, except that it's just absolutely tiny. <laughs> um, and yeah, for those stories, they were all self-contained, so it wasn't like a series that created one big one. It was just one very small story in 140 characters that had to have um, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And uh, yeah, it was just really fun. It was just like a really nice, almost like a constrained writing project because there were so many limitations to it. And I really enjoyed that. It's quite a challenge. So you've, you've set yourself another... Um sort of target project at the moment for your writing. There's this sort of writing you're doing in the evenings, as I said. Um, and you've perhaps liberated yourself a little bit more from that really tiny wee fiction format. Tell us about your latest project. Yeah, that's right. So now uh, I've given myself 300 words, which is uh, quite a luxury compared to uh, <laughs> the tweet-sized stories. Um, but yeah, in 300 words, a piece of flash fiction, um, I find it's a really nice uh, amount of space because... I can write a full story there, but at the same time, somebody can read it in two or three minutes. Like in the time it takes to boil the kettle, you've read the entire story. Um, but yeah, it's been really good fun because I started them during uh, lockdown. I think it was the end of May. Um, so it's been a few months and I'm managing to write two a week. So, so far I'm actually sticking um, to my targets, which is a first. <laughs> <laughs> so you're writing two a week. Are you releasing two a week? No, I'm releasing one a week. Yes, um, I'm quite an impatient person. So you, I was going to re release them as I wrote them. Then I was like, no, no, come on. One a week is great. Every Thursday morning, I release one on my website, post on my social media. But that way, I've got uh, a bank of um, future stories. So I've actually shed scheduled them up to October, I think. So oh, I'm gosh. ahead of myself, which is great. <laughs> so we're going to give people uh, a flavor of the, the sort of little stories you've been writing. We, we've got one Um Pre-recorded. Um, we're going to play that to you now. Michael and Fiona met in the library when they were 18. 
he was studying classical poetry whilst her focus was business. He was into online gaming, she was sporty. He preferred a quiet pint in the local pub, she was an all-night dancer. Despite these differences, they instantly clicked and began a relationship that would last far beyond their youth. As time passed, Fiona became increasingly ambitious. With this came much higher standards in all aspects of life. Promotions at work, a stronger credit rating, respect among her peers, and regular international travel were perpetually on her to-do list. Michael, on the other hand, found happiness far more easily. All he needed was his wife by his side, sharing moments that lacked any form of glamour but which meant the well to him. Fiona considered this sweet at first, but soon demanded more, and so, eager to please, Michael obeyed without question. Working tirelessly, within a decade he had surpassed her salary, perfected their home, and secured a lifestyle that was equal parts success and luxury. And yet for Fiona, it was never enough. No matter how hard Michael tried, he simply couldn't gain her approval. Crestfallen and bemused, he racked his brain for a solution until one day, out of the blue, it materialised. It took many years and almost killed him, but his efforts paid off. After calling in favours, coming close to bankruptcy, and sustaining severe injuries, he achieved the impossible. Michael had plucked the Earth's natural satellite from the sky and attached it to a tree branch. Finally, after all this time, he could give his wife the moon on a stick. Presented with the astonishing gift, Fiona considered it without emotion. She looked at it, then at Michael, and frowned. You call that a stick? <laughs> Great little twist at the end there. That, that's, that's, that's lovely. <laughs> so that one's called Heavenly Body, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, that was actually um, a tiny wee fiction piece originally, which I wrote uh, probably about eight years ago, I think. Um, because a lot of these stories that I'm writing at the moment, the 300-word ones, are completely new. And other ones, I'm nicking my own, <laughs> my own previous work and uh, rewriting them. Because obviously that entire story you heard just then, obviously it was short, but um, it was three sentences before. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been fun writing these. And with, uh, with that one, just then, Heavenly Body, I just love the idea of somebody doing anything he can, anything and everything, going to, go to ex absolute extremes, like plucking the moon from the sky, attaching it to a stick so that you can have the moon on a stick and the stick isn't quite up to standard. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything at all um, autobiographical in these stories? Because I've read the ones that you've, you've already put out and there's a, I think there's a bit of a theme coming through. And the theme is about people either really, really busy with their work or totally obsessed with something, you know, some pursuit. So whether you're a chromatologist or a baker or a member of the armed services, you're absolutely, you're giving your whole to the pursuit you're, you're caught in. And that, that's very much you, isn't it? I've, I've known you. You're, right. <laughs> you're totally obsessed with your writing. As I say, you, you write all day long and then in the evening you're writing too. Am, yeah. am I right? Is there some, something autobiographical here? I think you probably are, right? <laughs> it's something I haven't really considered. It's often a case of other people read your work and they find uh, patterns or, you know, things like that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, actually. Yeah, they probably are partly autobiographical. Um, yeah, I suppose 
for me, and I'll write a story that I think, oh, that that's, that seems like a good you know premise for a story, and then I naturally write it, and then because of the word counter, then edit it down, and then when I finish, I was like, there we go, great piece of fiction, and somebody reads it and goes, this is you. This is about you, isn't it? I'm like, oh, no, no, it's not meant to be. <laughs> but um, like you said, yeah, I do have a bit of, um, I can be a bit obsessive with things sometimes or hard working, let's put it that way. That's a nicer way of uh, phrasing it. <laughs> but um, yeah, you're probably right. A lot of the stories I've written and quite a few of them that haven't even gone online yet because uh, like I say, I'm releasing them every Thursday um, are about, uh, yeah, following your dreams, but rather than being in a, um, a really lovely positive way there's often a bit of a twist or there might be a little bit dark here or looking at people's disappointments and so on um so yeah that probably is my life <laughs> <laughs> i can't read them um without thinking of tales of the unexpected which uh, oh well TV, yeah tv series obviously. i'll take that <laughs> there's always <laughs> there's always something unexpected in the in each of the stories and yeah, I have to admit that that is probably the thing that ties them all together. And this isn't, um, it's not really on purpose. Uh, but each one I've written so far, I think right now there are seven online and I've written 20 altogether. Um, and I think they all have a bit of a twist or something, like you said, something unexpected, um, which I really do like, especially because they're such short stories. You know, if I'd written 20 novels and all of them had a twist in them, it might be like, okay, you know, you're, uh, <laughs> you're taking this a bit too far now, you're milking it. But yeah, I do like a nice little twist. And I like the idea of when somebody gets to the end, even if it's the very last sentence, um, and there's a twist there that makes them gasp or laugh or cry, or there's a bit of shock or anything at all, some kind of emotional response. I do. I love that. So what, what's the end goal with these stories? Are you, have you set yourself a target? Are you going to write 300 of them? Or, you know, what's the end goal? Yeah, as always, yeah, I've got a target with it. So um, I'm currently up to 20. And when I get to 50, I'm going to look into uh, publishing a collection of them. So some of which will have been online, but there'll be some which have been reserved for a printed uh, collection specifically. So they won't be published anywhere else. Uh, whether that's self-publishing or working with a small publisher, I've yet to decide. There's quite a bit of research that needs to go into it. Um, but yeah, I do love the idea of having a printed collection. If you were to see my house, there's even though I, I use technology for everything, you know, laptop, computer, mobile phone, we've got Alexa, voice activated, everything. And yet there are books absolutely everywhere. That's the one area where I refuse to move. <laughs> I refuse to shift because uh, I do love a, a printed book in my hands. There's just hundreds of them filling our house. The more there's much uh, part of decoration as they are anything else. Um, so yeah, I mean, that in itself is quite a long process because uh, even when I've got all 50 or so written for a collection, it takes a while to get it published and marketed and distributed and so on. But uh, yeah, hopefully um, there'll be a, a printed version. What the title will be, I've no idea. Um, <laughs> probably one of the story titles and there's one I've written, which isn't even online yet, called Microwaves and Oranges, which is quite a nice, uh, quite a nice name, <laughs> something that stands out from the crowd. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. Have you been in your nice element story? then during lockdown? Because you know you, you've had all this um, just space, I suppose, haven't you, to think and to write? Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been quite natural for me, really. The um, the setting because I already work from home um, as a copywriter. As much as I love typewriters and pens and stationery, I always write on my computer or I'm 
you know, tapping away on my phone. I do everything digitally. Um, and even, you know, Zoom meetings have been perfectly normal for me. So whether it's my work or writing these stories and putting them online, nothing has changed, really. It's uh, just been a case of being in my home office, typing away at my computer, putting them online, and then remembering to look out the window every now and then. <laughs> I've spoken to quite a few um, authors. I've done quite a few interviews with authors and writers over the years, and I always like to ask sort of similar questions, like um, because, you know, it's fascinating how... Frankly, how do you get into the writing frame of mind? Is it just natural for you? You get up in the morning and off you go, or do you sometimes struggle? Have you got a, a favourite time of day to write, or do you use a particular pencil? There's, there's a, a poet locally that told me he has a particular um, pencil, um, you know, graphite code pencil that he uses. What about yourself? Any tips and tricks for the writing? Oh, see, mine's nowhere near as romantic as a, a favourite pencil. <laughs> um, well, because I'm a copywriter, I've uh, my copywriter and my creative writing, I tend to have different uh, ways uh, for copywriting when I get up and I've had my morning coffee and I'm ready to work. I'm just typing away on my computer, depending on what jobs I've got on. Very much working in the same way anybody else does with a job. But when it comes to my creative writing, it tends to be at night. Um Usually after 10 p.m. Actually, I'm I'm a bit of a night owl anyway. I'll usually go to bed quite late, um, so I find that quite a nice time to be writing them. Uh, the only uh, exception to that is during the weekend, often a Saturday. If I'm having a lazy Saturday afternoon inside, especially if it's nice, nice weather. Um, if it's nice and sunny, and I'm like, oh, I'm in the mood to write right now. But it's always on my phone. All every single one of these stories uh, has just been written straight onto my phone. Um, just saved on there because the thing is i love the idea of writing with a pencil or a pen or a crayon or a crayon or whatever <laughs> but um i edit to an extraordinary extent um which is part of the job as a copywriter anyway but um the if i were to actually write it down with uh, ink I'd, by the end of it, I'll have scribbled out absolutely everything and started all over, <laughs> <laughs> which is the beauty of using a keyboard, I suppose. But um, yeah, I do love the idea of uh, being one of these these writers who takes their typewriter to a coffee shop and, and sits in the window, clattering away at the, at the uh, keys. But um, yeah, it's always on my phone. But um, I still really enjoy the process. You know, it's it's a very, I suppose, modern way of doing it. But um, the actual uh, the actual way of writing when the first idea pops into your head and it was like with that one just then, uh, which was based on a tiny wee fiction story, but because I expanded on it so much, it was like, right, what is this exactly? You know, how is the idea of the moon on a stick? The phrase that we'll probably all used at some point for somebody who's really pernickety and wants everything. How can I turn that into a story that actually is fully formed again, has a beginning, middle and end. And um, people can, I mean, it might not be to everybody's taste, not everyone's cup of tea, but hopefully most people who read it will be like, oh, even though it was so short, that was a story. That was satisfactory. So, yeah, it's uh, just coming up with all different ideas and different ways of um, describing things. And also, I suppose one of the big things for me is because they are so short, I have to be careful not to repeat the same word too often. So if it was like amazing in there twice, because it's such a tiny format, it's like you can't really put amazing twice unless it's really there for a specific reason. So it's like, right, what other synonym would work best? But at the same time, it needs to naturally be there. Because um, some of the synonyms you come up with are just amazing. Go into thesaurus.com. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's a great word. I would never use that in real life. So, um, yeah, just getting the flow there, making it feel natural. 
can be hard, but yeah, it's very fulfilling. Where, where do you think most of the inspiration for the, the stories come comes from? I mean, I sort of picked up on the fact that it, you're, you're talking about people's roles and employment. Are there any other sort of sectors, issues that, that sort of tag up, you know, flag up some writing material for you? Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. It's, I do love um, people in stories. I mean, obviously, you know, most stories will involve people, but really looking at what something means to them. So in the, uh, the story just then, Heavenly Body, it was a man who's married um, in the youth. Everything was fine, but uh, they've grown apart. And it's like, right, how, how could he really focus on winning the affection of his own wife? You know, what would he have to go through? How difficult would it be? And I love the idea of that, in this case, struggle. Um, in other cases, it could be passion or resentment or disappointment. Uh, regret, I have to admit. Regret is something that pops up a lot, which hopefully isn't too autobiographical <laughs> um, without me realising subconsciously. Yeah, that, just random ideas pop into my head. I mean, sometimes it's something as simple as just walking around my house and just see something out of the corner of my eye that's been there for years um, such as the other week, I've written a story which hasn't been published online yet, uh, but it's about a guy who has lived his life uh, colouring inside the lines, so doing everything the way that's expected. Um, uh, as a child, he loved origami, but he would never make a different fold to see what came out. You know, it was like, these, these are the rules, this is what it's telling me to do, I'll do it this way, and he wouldn't experiment with everything. And that was simply because I was walking through the house, and I've got a book on origami on the shelf. Um, so yeah, I often see something and then see how I, I can apply it in a different way. Yeah, quite random, really. So uh, who are you writing for? Who's your target audience? Because I feel a lot of the stories, especially this really short format, could, could really appeal to young people. Yeah, definitely. Um, despite the fact that I work in marketing, I don't really have a target audience, to be honest. <laughs> um, I really like the idea that these will be accessible to absolutely everybody. I used to work in a bookshop, I did for many years, and I always loved the fact that people would come into the shop and they would say themselves, I've never read a book, or it's been years since I've read a book, it's not for me, but this one in particular, whatever it might have been, has really caught my eye. And I was like, oh, that's fantastic. You know, you get a lot of bookworms, I'm quite a big reader myself, you know, people who read a lot naturally read a lot, it's as simple as that. It could be any uh, type of uh, writing, but the point is they're actually putting the time into it. But with these stories, uh, especially because I share them on social media, I've had quite a few strangers who've found the page and they're reading them and they comment. And uh, some people have said, oh, I don't tend to read, but these are so quick. Um, you know, it's an entire story. Again, in the time it makes to make a cup of tea, it's probably two, three minutes to read them. Um, and I really like the idea of making it more accessible. Um, but in terms of uh, who really they're designed for, I try not to swear in them, um, just in case, you know, because again, it's not a case of playing it safe, but it's like, unless I really need to, I won't swear in them. Um, some of the, some stories are a bit darker than others, but at the same time, there are people who are quite young who are reading them, like teenagers who are reading them. Um, so yeah, hopefully they're, uh, there's something that everybody can enjoy. You say you, you do a lot of reading and your house is full of books. Is the short story format something you read a lot of? Have you got any recommendations perhaps of, of people, you know, listeners might follow? Yeah, let's see. Because um, I read all sorts. Uh, I read a lot of novels, read a lot of collections. 
I mean, science fiction is something that I absolutely love and also speculative fiction where it's not quite sci-fi, but there's something a little bit strange there. That's a lot of what a lot of my own stories tend to come under speculative fiction because um, it's not necessarily aliens and robots and space travel, but there's something just a little bit odd, such as the one that um, just read just then. I've been reading quite a bit of Isaac Asimov recently, proper classic uh, sci-fi author, but he's got so many short stories that are just very, very easy to access. Um, really good ideas there as well. I mean, to be honest, I recommend them to people even who aren't really into sci-fi just because of the cleverness of the ideas. Um, but yeah, there's um, there's a lot of short stories out there these days and flash fiction, which is something I've always loved. Um, in other words, very, very, very short stories. Because <laughs> um, a short story really, I think, can be up to five, 10,000 words, whereas these are 300, so they really are bite-sized. But I tend to go online quite a lot often through social media, hashtags like writing community, writers cafe on Twitter, especially Um, under those hashtags, there's a lot of uh, Twitter users who are sharing their own work. Um, And I just read them at random whenever I tend to come across them, which is quite nice as well, because they're sometimes looking for feedback. Some of them are brand new writers. Some have been going for years. There's a real diversity of uh, talent there. So yeah, if you're on Twitter, I'd definitely have a look at those hashtags. Okay, and well, I suppose we ought to make sure people can access the material you're writing. So how do people, you know, where do people find your writing, Rich? That's a good idea, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, my, um, on Twitter and Instagram, uh, for quite a while, my username has been Beardy Biscuits. So uh, I have a beard and I like biscuits. I think that's why I came up with that name. <laughs> so yeah, Beardy Biscuits. Um on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, and I share them every Thursday. And the website itself is called beardybiscuits.com. So it's all nice and consistent. And yeah, they're completely free to read. I upload one every Thursday. And hopefully, I'll be doing it for a very long time to come. <laughs> well, Rich, it's been really good chatting to you. We will put uh, those links in the show notes to this podcast. Uh, keep at it. It's quite exciting knowing that there's there's lots of these flash fiction um, stories appearing on your websites week by week. I'll keep tuning in myself because I'm I'm quite enjoying them. Thanks, Jerome. Really appreciate it. So you've been listening to uh, How Is This Podcast with me, Jerome Whittingham, and our guest this time was Rich Sutherland. You can find him at beardybiscuits.com, as he's just said. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your ears sometime soon. Bye for now.